All right. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that I am live on YouTube right now. This is my second live stream in a week. I think it's the first time that I've ever done that. Uh, two live streams, one week. That sounds like a naughty video somewhere else on the internet. Uh, but, but yeah, I'm doing it because we did the, uh, the pre-election thing a couple days ago. I was in Stockholm, Sweden when we did that. Right now, I am in Birmingham, UK, or Birmingham, as they call it here, apparently. Uh, and I've got the show with Jordan Peterson in a couple hours. As you can see, I'm in my hotel room. They're doing a lot of construction in the back. Uh, hopefully, the internet connection will be okay. I just wanted to talk a little bit about what happened in the election. And, you know, I have to tell you, it, it's a little weird being, uh, I was in Denmark yesterday when the election was happening, and it's really weird being in other countries for the last couple of days. And I've been in different countries almost every day from Ireland and Finland and Norway and Sweden and the UK, and I'm sure I'm forgetting, and Holland and some others, I'm sure too. Uh, and we're going back to Sweden and we're going back to Norway and then we're finishing up in Finland in a couple of days. Uh, then we'll be in LA. Then we've got a couple more shows in Canada in December. And then it looks like we just signed on, I think, for six or eight shows in Australia in February. So I'm psyched about that. And then Jordan wants to continue this into March and April. So I got to see how much I can do. And maybe I'll do some more Ruben reports from the road. And as I said, I kind of miss doing the direct messages for you guys. So I want to figure out how I can be doing those a little bit more on the road. But you got to strike while the iron's hot. And I'm feeling so good about everything that's going on. And there's just so many great people that I'm meeting and realizing that talking about all of these things transcend borders and the concerns of people in Norway are the same as the concerns of the people in the United States and Brazil and all over the place. It's just, it's just crazy. Uh, just a couple other things before I jump in on the election. Uh, so I get back on uh, November 12th, fly back from Finland. And then on the 13th, uh, I'm doing stand-up in Brea, California. And then on the 14th, I'm doing stand-up in Oxnard, California. Both shows will have a surprise guest from the intellectual dark web. Uh, I'm hearing a rumor that for one of the shows, there might be two IDW members showing up. So I do about an hour of stand-up. I bring on the guests for about 45 minutes. I did this with Peterson in Salt Lake City. I've done it with Eric Weinstein. I've done it with Christina Hoff Summers. I've done it with Brett Weinstein. Uh, and it's stand-up, I promise you, like you haven't seen before. I do more of like a town hall situation, get you guys involved. And it's uh, not politically correct, and it's and it's messy and all over the place, but I promise you, you'll have fun. So if you're in the LA area, Brea or Oxnard, uh, the links are down below. Hope you'll join us. We do a meet and greet after, too, if you want to say hi, shake my hand, touch the hair. Oh, speaking of the hair, I left my uh, toiletry bag in Sweden. So for the last couple of days, I have not had any of my stuff. I had to buy, you know, hairspray and toothbrush and deodorant and all that. Um, but you know, I've got my fancy schmancy hairspray that I normally use. It's this Oribe dry texturizing stuff. People are always asking me, how do I get the lift in there? But now I'm using this other stuff and it's crinkly and I'm, I'm just not happy about it, but thank you. Good people for bearing with me. Um, okay, cool. So, uh, so let's talk about the election a little bit. Look, what did I say a couple days ago in Sweden, day before the election, I said that what I thought would be best for the country going forward would be if the Democrats really got hammered. If the ideas that I'm always talking about on this show that I really care about, that you who watch this show, I think obviously care about, that I sense that young people care about these days and that I also see as sort of a, a, a wide new coalition of people who care more about freedom than authority. Uh, if those ideas are the ideas that matter to you, my hope was that the Democrats who have embraced a real authoritarian strain and, and really identity politics more than anything else, judging each other on your immutable characteristics instead of your thoughts. And I literally just five or 10 minutes ago before I started this live stream, I just uh, screen captured something from the Women's March where they're tweeting about white women because not enough white women voted for Beto. 70% of white women voted for Ted Cruz. And they're, they're saying, we've got a lot of work to do with you white women. Like this is becoming the new racism and it's becoming institutionalized in our political system and in our media. This is what I would call systemic. It's becoming systemic uh, because they're going to be passing laws about these things. This is, they're gonna be judging people uh, based on the color of their skin and not their immutable characteristics. And you should not, you should care about what people think, not how they look. So all the headlines today were women win. We had our first Muslim congressman, first openly gay uh, governor of Colorado, 
couple other things and it's like okay that that's all fine no one care you shouldn't care one way or another it's nice i suppose but it doesn't matter what those those conditions are what matters is what are they what do they think what are their policies are so i because i believe that identity politics still is the biggest threat to the west and by the way if you think i'm exaggerating this or if you're on the fence about this or whatever one of the common themes when i go to all these different countries with jordan uh is that people are really worried about it all over the place. And they're worried about it in the Scandinavian countries. They're really worried about it. And what's interesting about that is the Scandinavian countries, you know, they're predominantly white. They now are all dealing with different immigration situations, but even they are being affected by this. So they're not even that multicultural as a society. They aren't the melting pot that the United States is, but even they are dealing with these issues. And it's all couched within the political correctness stuff and people being afraid to say what they think and, and all of those things. And then companies, you know, using this, this diversity myth and all of these things that actually are, as I said, institutionalizing racism, where Harvard won't have Asian applicants and where companies will say we're going to have half women and we're like is, is it that you're going to have the exact proportion of gay people and women and black people and Muslims and Jews and all of these things and da, 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 da. and then you think what that your product will be better do you think your society will be fairer or or more just or good it will be worse at not only will your product be worse because you won't be hiring people based on skill you'll be hiring them based on those immutable characteristics but you won't be providing more of a more of a tolerant society. You'll be creating an intolerant society where people will look at each other, neighbor will look at neighbor and, and be jealous or angry or expect something of someone else. So it's, so it's super dangerous. So anyway, what I said uh, before the election was that what I think the best thing is for the things that I care about and for a return to liberalism, a left that was liberal, that had a live and let live attitude, but believed there was the right way to use the government uh, to, to create a, a grand society, let's say. Uh, that has nothing to do with the left anymore. So my feeling was these guys have to be destroyed. I don't wanna hurt people. I want the ideas to be rejected so that better ideas could come. So as I laid it out the other day, what I would say is if, if, if this leftist monster had been destroyed out of the ashes of that, and this is a little bit of sort of like a Jordan Peterson style uh, religious resurrection, out of the ashes of that, perhaps a phoenix could come forth. Perhaps there would be a rebirth of liberalism. Now, unfortunately, that's not what happened. Now, look, it's interesting what happened here because the Democrat, there was definitely not a blue wave. So let's be clear on that. You know, everybody was predicting the blue wave, the blue wave, the blue wave. And as I said the other day, it's like anyone that's predicting anything with certainty, nobody had any clue what was going on. And we can all play armchair quarterback and we can all, we can all pretend the day after we knew exactly what was going on, but that's pretty rare and, and far between. And especially these days, it's hard to garner what's going on with the polls. My hope you, you, you take out the dangerous elements of the Democratic Party, they return to liberalism, and then their return to a bit of a centrism would then cause some of the right, the bad elements of the right, say the white nationalist parts of the right, which by the way, I don't think are systemic or massive or that influential, uh, but they do exist. But then maybe if the, if the left came a little closer to the center, it would be a little bit easier for the right to rid itself of some of its bad elements. And what I also thought was that maybe if that had happened, Trump then would be feeling really good, like he could do what he wanted for the next two years. And that maybe he then would realize you don't have to run on trolling on Twitter all the time and fighting the media all the time and all of those things, because I do think we're gonna eventually get to diminishing returns on that, because I don't think a society can run on that forever. I just don't think it's possible. And that maybe then Trump would actually moderate some of the language. And I think most people, although it's hard to get say the hashtag resistance people to admit this, but I think most people realize the policies of Trump, even if you're a lefty, haven't been that bad. Um, the rhetoric and what you may think of him as a person and all that, that's a different story. So that was that was my hope. Now what happened? Okay, so the, the Democrats got the House back. Last I heard, I think it's around, uh, they got at least 26 seats back, but they're still waiting to find out more. Republicans picked up a couple in, in the Senate. So look, number one, the real risk of this whole thing would have been that there had been a blue wave um, to the point where the, the Republican or the Democrats would have taken the House and taken the Senate, and then we would have had impeachment of Trump. There is just no doubt. And what that would have led to, I really believe this, 
And I didn't want to say this over the last couple of weeks because I don't like teasing out ideas so that they gain momentum, scary ideas, let's say, um, is that we would have ended up in sort of a low-grade cold civil war in America if that would have happened. Now, fortunately, because the Republicans at least kept the Senate, and I say this as someone that has never even really voted Republican, um, which I think is worth mentioning over and over because it seems like I'm defending the Republicans or that, I'm, that I am a Republican and I'm not. Um, though I generally think their ideas are better at the moment. Um, but had, had they lost both the House and the Senate, we'd be in a really dangerous place today. I, I think we would actually have some serious, serious problems on our hands. That did not happen. The fact that the Republicans kept the Senate, uh, basically, we won't have impeachment. They, the Democrats may try to bring, you know, some other investigations on Trump and that sort of thing. Um, look, so the danger right now is this. If you're with me on this identity politics stuff, if you're with me that the left is no longer liberal and, and all of these ideas, um, there's no reason to think they're not going to double down again on those ideas. They doubled down when they lost last time to Trump, and now they've gained some seats. So I think there's no reason that they wouldn't double down and say, see, there's a winning, there's a winning um, path if we keep up with this. And that's what I think the problem is right now. And as I said the other day, what I think that will lead to is more and more decent liberals going, okay, you know what? I can't have a conversation with these people because every time I open my mouth, they tell me I'm a bigot and a racist and the rest of it. Just look what the Women's March just tweeted before I started this live stream. And what I will do is be willing to talk to libertarians and conservatives and MAGA people and uh, never Trump people, because at least they're a little willing to talk about these things. So I still think there will be a wide tent developing there. I also think it's possible that if the House goes so bananas on some of the anti-Trump stuff, that that then helps Trump get reelected because it fires up the base. I did see an interesting uh, tweet where somebody laid out how many House seats the incumbent president's party lost during midterms. And for Obama, it was extremely high, Clinton high, George H.W., N.W., high, Clinton high. Uh, but for, for Trump, it was actually the lowest since something like 1946. Um, so that, that's just an interesting piece of information relative to all of this, I suppose. I saw some people saying that that could potentially have something to do with ger gerrymandering. I would need to do a little bit more research on that. Uh, but in, in any event, I think basically right now, we're pretty much in the same place we were a couple days ago, where there was no evidence really that the left was going to stop going off the deep end. Now they're emboldened a little bit, and we'll see what the response is on the other side. I think Trump may be even speaking right now, or he was going to speak in the next hour or so to address uh, you know, his thoughts after the election. Um, but I, I just want to, I'll take some questions, by the way. So it's patreon.com slash Ruben Report, and I'll take some questions. And if you want to jump in on Super Chat, I will, uh, I'll take some on there as well. I've got a trusty Google Doc here, and my guys are back in questions, so I will jump in on that in just a second. Um, but, you know, one of the other things that I was thinking as I was looking at Twitter and trying to track some of the news, and again, it's weird being in other countries when this is all happening, right? Like, I live and breathe this thing, and it was weird, like, laying in bed last night at, like, 2 in the morning watching Danish television um, talk about American elections. So then finally, I couldn't take it anymore. So I switched to, I watched Scarface, and then I watched uh, The Big Lebowski, both far more entertaining than Danish coverage of the American elections. Um, but, but every country that we've been in, Finland, Sweden, Holland, uh, here in the UK, obviously, the obsession with American politics doesn't strike me as good and healthy for, for these countries, nor America itself. I mean, we really still are the engine, and I think we should be really... Um, we should be careful and we should be responsible about what that, that, what that means for the world. If we're the engine of how ideas get put out there, if our culture and our movies and our music and our, our political discourse and everything is where it all starts, and that is, that is where it seems to be, then I think we do have to be careful. And it's like, look, we had an election yesterday and everyone said they hate each other. And today everyone's, you know, some people are dancing on other people's graves and other people are upset and this and that. We're not killing each other on the streets. Do not forget that. Do not forget that. That is the important thing here. Democracy is still working. It is imperfect. It is messy. You should fight for the things you believe in, but it's still working. Um, so 
So we'll see what happens. I also just want to say one other thing uh, quickly before I get to a couple questions, which is that you know it, it seems that politics just always brings out the worst in us, and it seems that it usually brings out the worst in us in Twitter. And I'm really, 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 really going to commit uh, to being better than it. And it sometimes gets me. Like sometimes someone says something so stupid, I gotta own them, or someone says something so dishonest or someone goes after me or whatever it is um and i usually ignore most of it or i try not to add to it or even when i do something i try to do it with a little bit of a little bit of sarcasm or snark instead of just like straight up vitriol i mean i really never do that i don't think um not to say i have never i'm, I'm sure i have but uh, i'm really going to try not to add to the uh, to the fire because i think we need some more firefighters these days and uh, I'm going to really try, and I hope you'll try, and uh, and we'll see it because I do think we can win more people by just being a little bit better. I really do. So I'm going to keep trying that. All right, let me get to a couple questions. So first, we're going to jump on Patreon questions. So it's Patreon.com/slash/RubenReport, and uh, and then we'll take some super chat questions as well. If you want to get heard, you can jump in on there. Um, so feel free to do that. Reminder, just real quick, uh, I am back in LA on uh, November 12th and then on the 13th, I'm doing stand-up at uh, the Brea Improv and then I'm at Levity Live in Oxnard, California, both are outside of LA. Uh, and I will have an IDW guest with me on both days. Oh, and by the way, if you sign up on Patreon at Ruben Select level three or higher, you get a free, you get free entrance into my meet and greet and I hang out with people after the show. Oh, real quick, and then I promise I'll get to the questions. Uh, so we do these meet and greets after the show, and Jordan does these these really extended meet and greets, and it's usually about 100 people. Mine have 20, 30, 40 or so usually, sometimes a little bit less. It depends. Um, and uh, the Sweden one, we had like 50 people, and it was so cool. We had this huge, huge table. It was standing room only, and I kind of held court, and it was just great. It was just so much fun. Like I really feel like being on this tour, it's it's – it's changed me in that like I really am meeting and connecting with so many great people all over the world and people are coming up to us all over the place and sometimes Jordan goes out uh, into the into the audience into the line outside the theater before we start and uh, and we're messing around with the crowds and we're just we're just having a blast so I hope you guys will come to the shows if you haven't if you haven't yet and it looks like we're gonna be doing Germany and Belgium and uh, and Turkey and Israel and all over the place I mean it seems like we're just gonna keep going and going. So we shall see what happens. Okay, um, I live in rural America. How can I balance my libertarian philosophy with the fact that the population in my area can't support the kinds of school and infrastructure investments that will provide the equality of opportunity that is so important to me and my offspring? What a great question, because what you're saying basically is you're libertarian, so you want local, local, local. But in a, in a rural area like that, there may not be enough money to actually fund the types of things that you want. So this is a this is a really good one. This is a place where I would say you you and your local representatives um, should be fighting as much as possible, depending on what state you live in, to get your uh, your local area more resources, or, or you move right. So that's the, that's the easy answer is you move if there if the resources aren't right for your area and you're libertarian, you move somewhere else. You use your foot vote, you move. Okay, but putting that one aside. Uh, you know, I'm from New York, so New York has an interesting part of this because there's a constant battle between the mayor of New York City and where there are some odd, you know, I think it's around 8 million people, and then the governor of New York, who's up in Albany, upstate, who has to deal with the entire state where there's huge rural areas and there's farms and huge distances between people. There's the, the, uh, the southern tier area. I went to SUNY Binghamton, so... Uh, the southern tier area, which is part of upstate New York, is really, really economically depressed right now. So there's a constant battle between the governor, who has to take care of the entire state, and the mayor of New York City, who has the most people there. So he argues that he needs the most resources. And how do you allocate all of that? And it's like there's such a concentration of people there. You could see a governor going, well, the rest of the state and votes right down there. Um, so the best thing you can do is hopefully you have a decent local representative, a decent state senator, let's say, and you can get them to lobby for more resources in your area. I would say there's, you know, there's probably other ways, maybe through homeschooling a little bit or online learning, things like that. But if it's really bad, like if you live in an area that's really being ignored and you've tried to fix it, you know, sometimes you just got to go. And again, this is 
this is shitty, right? This is the argument that I make about why I wouldn't force the baker to make the, the cake for the gay wedding. It's like, I don't want the government coming in and telling a, a, a private company what to do, what service to offer. Um, and if you happen to live in a town where the only baker won't bake you the cake, the specific cake for your wedding, uh, well, then you, you can either get a cake online and that works, right? That does work. And it doesn't feel great probably, but it does work or, or you can move. So, you know, it's a really great question because it sort of puts your beliefs to the test. And that's kind of what it's all about. And you should try to live in a place where the ideas and the ideals that you care about are rewarded and are then feel like they matter. Um, so that's a, it's a really great question. Um, and I don't know that there's really a, like a perfectly right answer to that. It's sort of also, what do you need? Like if you really value, say the, the, the land you live on and the freedom that that affords you and things like that, maybe then that overrides some of the other issues that you're talking about. It's interesting. Um, let's see, super chat. I asked Tim pool this yesterday. Do you think it's smart for the Dems to portray Trump as the worst international as the worst to the international community as Americans. Hello from Australia, by the way. Oh, well, first off, uh, as I just said, I think I just said it, uh, we're going to Australia. I think six or eight stops in February. So I'll let you know about that. It's somewhere between like February 6th and 18th. We're trying to figure it all out. So I hope you'll come to one of the shows. Um, do I think it's a good move for them to play it off that internationally Trump is the worst? Not really because internationally right now, Look, Trump has done pretty good work with Nikki Haley at the UN to really just completely decimate a seriously corrupt organization that makes the Legion of Doom looks look like um, you know Barney's Playhouse or something. Does Barney have a playhouse? Something like that. Um, so internationally, I do sense that some of our allies actually trust us a little bit more right now. You know, I think the the Obama red line in Syria thing was one of the worst foreign policy mistakes probably in 50 years because our allies suddenly trusted us less because he said if you if you use chemical weapons that's our red line and then they did and we didn't do anything not that i wanted to do anything you can go back you know five years ago and watch when the syria war was really heating up you can watch videos of me on the young turks uh talking about how i, I did not want the united states to be involved at all that sometimes other countries surrounding countries like saudi arabia and turkey should get involved and, at, and perhaps the United States could offer a little bit of a humanitarian corridor for people to to go to, but that would be it. Um, so I don't know that painting him uh, more scarily, let's say, to the international community would work. Look, he's talking to North Korea right now. Um, you know, we, we've redone some of these trade deals. Yeah, there's still like a, the personality element that's still a little bizarre. Uh, maybe you can play that up. I'm not, I just don't know that it's a winnable strategy though. Let's see. All right, I'll jump in one more, um, one more super chat. Uh, opinion of Florida giving felons the right to vote. Yeah, so I just heard about this one. So I guess there was a referendum on this and felons who could not vote now will be able to vote. Look, if you've done your time, you are still a citizen of the United States of America. So I don't, really see a counter argument to that. Um, I suppose if you did something that was directly related to election fraud, perhaps, or something like that. But let's say you're a felon, you're an armed robber, you arm, you robbed a bank, you know, you serve your time, you serve 10 years, you're now 38, you get out of jail, and you're trying to rebuild your life. Should you never be allowed to take part in the election process again? I don't see how that is fair. So basically, I would need to know a little bit more about the specifics of this, but basically, I think it's actually totally fine. Um, let's see. Dave, uh, why don't you do an alt tech week like a YouTuber week, uh, interview the guys behind BitChute, Gab, Minds, et cetera. So I've been thinking about doing something like this because obviously so much of what's going on here now, politically, culturally, technologically, is directly related to the ways that we can communicate. Right? I'm sitting on my laptop computer, which is on top of a small garbage can, by the way, uh, in, in Birmingham, uh, UK, and you guys are watching this all over the world. That's incredibly cool. Uh, but if the companies, in this case Google, uh, that, that own the pipes and own the wires and own the Wi-Fi and own the airwaves and all that stuff, if they want to slowly clamp down on certain types of speech, which I think there is evidence that they would like to do some of that at least a little bit, um, 
then we should be talking about alternative technologies here. Uh, as you guys know from my talks with Peter Thiel and my talks with Eric Weinstein and a couple others, uh, there's plenty of discussion in this in this arena. I can't give you all the, the discussion about that that I'm privy to at the moment. Um, but I do think that's a good idea, actually. Get some of like, the cool tech people in here to discuss some of these things. Maybe I can smoke a blunt with Elon Musk. All right, let's see. Um, okay. Oh, and a reminder, I've already pimped it out twice, but the links to the Brea show on the 13th and the Oxnard show on the 14th are right down below. Uh, so I hope you guys will join me for some stand-up and meet some of the IDW crew. All right. Uh, shouldn't we stick around and fight to reform and push back on the left? Also, because of what you're seeing out there, how do you feel about the possibility of a third party that might just be able to rise? Look, the, the stay and push back thing, I think there are great arguments on both sides. So Eric Weinstein, who has become like a brother to me, who is one of the greatest minds, I think, on earth, uh, he still considers himself part of the left, and he believes that it can be reformed from the inside. I see no evidence of it. And not only do I see no evidence of it, I see a continued slow uh, slide to all of the things that I don't like. And I see more and more people get purged for any sort of free thought. I see them using the ideas of collectivism, uh, which is a type of racism actually, and is a type of sexism, and is a type of bigotry. I see them using those ideas more and more and more. Again. Go check the Women's March tweet that I just sent out right before this stream. White women, you know, we're coming for you, white women, if you don't do what we want you to do. We're for women. We're for women, know that, but you better do what we want you to do, otherwise we're not for you. Which is why saying you're for women or you're for gay people or you're for black people is actually stupid. It's, it's not a clear, thought-out, logical argument. Because if you're for it, it doesn't make sense. Women think different things. Black people think different things. Gay people think different things. So what can you be for? Oh my God, the broken record of you can be for the individual. That's what you can be for. So as for staying, look, let's say, let's say Eric's right and I'm wrong and, and a couple bandits inside the left can, can blow up the, the machine and, and fix it and everything else and suddenly JFK liberals are all over the place. And, you know, they believe in somewhat of a slimmer, trimmer government, but they don't think government's the answer to everything. They don't believe in identity politics, et cetera, et cetera. That would be freaking spectacular. And I will gladly say, man, good. You guys did it. Fantastic. What I can see is it's, it's, it wouldn't be honest of me to say that I am part of that anymore. I'm just not. And not only am I not, but but me and all of my crew that you guys all know, none of us get invited to anything on the left by college campuses or organizations or anything. We get invited by conservatives. And we look, Eric Weinstein and I spoke at the Ayn Rand Institute. Ayn Rand is a basically a libertarian organization. There's a little there's obviously more to objectivism than just that, but they're they're pretty far on the right, especially on economics. Um, and and Eric went up there and said all sorts of things against libertarianism, against objectivism, against Ayn Rand and her writing and all sorts of stuff and got a huge ovation after. And then we had a cocktail hour and everybody was having a great time. I mean, you simply never see that on the other side. So, and this is also where, you know, we all get invited on Fox News and I go on because they don't edit me and I go on Tucker Live and I go on Greg Gutfeld Live and we don't get invited to CNN or MSNBC. So. That it just is what it is. So I will find allies where allies are. And if I keep putting my hand out to one side and they keep biting me and I keep putting out my hand out to another side and where I see that they are, they are malleable, that they're, that the young conservatives, look at Kyle Kashuv, who I had on the, on the show last week, a brilliant young kid. Uh, and they don't care about gay marriage anymore. They, they don't really care about uh, marijuana. I think they're, even though most of them I think are pro-life, they're willing to have a discussion about uh, about abortion. They're willing to have a discussion about dignity with death and things of that nature. So I will go and talk to those people because they're willing to talk to me. And I'm also, I'm also confident in what I believe in and what my knowledge is. And I believe if I sit down with people, you know, there's this idea. I think people on the left are so afraid that if you sit down with someone, they're, they're going to trick you and you're going to become one of them. But I'm, I'm as confident in my ideas as they probably are in theirs. And I believe we can have that out and I'm not afraid of that. So I think you can make a good argument either way. As for the third party thing, look, this, this is the, 
this is the really, really tough part if you're a libertarian these days. If you're a libertarian, I could see why you'd say, you know what, forget the Republicans. They keep putting everything else aside, forgetting Trump, all that. They always spend more, right? They talk about smaller government, but they always spend more. Even when they cut taxes, they're still spending more, including Trump. So I could see why you'd want to be a third party. And I thought Larry Sharp did a really nice job in New York and he busted his ass. And you know what? He didn't even get 2%. It's very unfortunate. He was on my show. He was on Rogan's show. He didn't get any mainstream coverage, really. Uh, but he really, really did try. And he's a good guy. And I, I, I hope he has a bright future in front of him. And I'm sure we'll cross paths again. Um, now, the inherent problem with this is, okay, so if the Libertarian Party really, imagine if they really pull it together, they get some great, you know, dynamic young person and people to run down ticket to, because part of their problem is they do very little down ticket and then they throw someone for, uh, you know, for presidency and then it just looks stupid. Um, that the problem is that, all right, so let's say they do the most amazing uh, returns ever for, for Libertarians. Let's say they get 10%, 12%. Well, what do you, I mean, you've taken at least eight, 9% of that from Republicans and you guarantee that Democrats win. And then, and then that's not good. Now I discussed this with Larry Sharp and what he would say is you've got to do that because otherwise you're, you'll just never change. And I think that's an interesting argument, right? Like you've got to go, we're going to get 10% this time, but lose knowing that hopefully next time we'll have a little momentum and maybe we can get it to 18%. Then maybe after that, we can get it to 24%. Then maybe we get to a tipping point and we go from 24% to 41% or something like that. I think that's a totally legit argument. Um, can we survive, you know, um, you know, 10, 12, 14 years of what that would do with, uh, with this new left in charge? I don't know. But I would also say at the same point, I mean, the left is dealing with this themselves. It's like the old school liberals who really are at this point um, and, the, and the progressives have very little in common. So what is your party? Which is it going to be run by? And perhaps they need to split. Let the progressives have the far left stuff. Let them have it. And maybe that is where the momentum is for them. But all right, let them have it and then and have sort of the more old school liberal party. Let Joe Biden run a party for his last, you know, be grandpa of the old liberals or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. And then they'd have to deal with the same reckoning, right, that I just mentioned, because then they would ensure basically that a Republican Party comes back. So I guess the best answer is that the, both parties would do it at the exact same time. Pretty rare. It's a tough question. And uh, it's one of those things. It's like it's, it's just a matter of how much risk are you willing to take, I think, uh, in your decision making. Okay. Um, any plans on coming to the capital of decentralized power, Switzerland? I don't know why Switzerland wasn't on the list here. Uh, I will ask Jordan tonight and I will find out. Hang tight on that one. Um, let's see. Uh, have you considered interviewing conservatives who are more skeptical of uh, free market economics like Roger Scruton or Peter Hitchens? I'd love to interview Scruton. Uh, Jordan had lunch with, I had, or dinner with him a couple days ago and I was invited, uh, but I ended up going back to London to do something. Um, but we're, we're connected now. So hang tight. I hope I can work that one out. And Peter Hitchens and I, we've traded a couple emails. I really wanted to do it in studio, but you know what? Maybe I can do it next time. I'm, uh, I'm in London. I think he lives in London. And actually I have a, I have a day off in London tomorrow. I'm doing something really cool. Actually, if you guys remember my, um, my interview with Catherine Burbel Singh, which was in August, uh, she is, uh, she's an educator who created her own charter school, the Michaela school. Uh, here in London, and they're doing just great work helping kids get out of poverty, helping families, uh, really showing what personal responsibility is all about. Their kids are getting great grades. They're, they're actually teaching, and it's and it sounds like it's just a wonderful school, uh, and I was totally inspired by her. So I'm going to go uh, take a tour of the school tomorrow with her, and then uh, I'm going to speak to some of the kids in the afternoon, which is pretty cool. Um, but maybe I can reach out to Peter and see if I can at least maybe I can just meet him for coffee or tea as they have here in, in London, and then we'll see. Um, let's see. Uh, hey, Dave, do you think the Phoenix rising from the ashes scenario will actually need to happen through a complete leftist takeover as Rand projects, uh, as Rand projects and Atlas shrugged? Do you think leftists will have to see the toxicity of their policies play out before they're willing to abandon them? Yeah. You know, it's like, and that's why I said I started at the beginning of this thing. I think by the Democrats getting the House here, what we're going to get is sort of just this slow descent into more of this nonsense, where I would say at this point, the most healthy thing would have been an, a destruction, 
a weird couple of years where they would have had to reconstitute the party and have a re have the real fight. Like we're not doing anything real right now. We're not having the real fights. We should be we should be willing to have real political fights, not just sort of political bickering over over winning points. Um, so I think yes, like. Well, again, this is why this tweet that the Women's March just sent out, white women, watch out, white women, we're looking at you if you don't do what we want you to do. It's why it's so dangerous and so actually racist. And and, and it's inherently anti-freedom. Um, so I think that enough of them will have to start seeing that. Like if the next move, what the left does is it eats a group and then 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 eats a group. Well, if the next move now is they've sort of white men, they've been going after white men for a long time. If the next move is, all right, we're going to go after white women, maybe some white women will start waking up and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't, I don't have to vote if I'm pro-life, let's say, and I'm conservative on this or that, or, and I want lower taxes and states' rights and um, wh whatever it is, I don't have to be part of the Women's March. I don't have to, and I won't be guilted into it. And then when you corner them, they start coming out stronger. So I think that that's, that's possible. I mean, think about it, the Women's March. So that means there are four women. Well, are they for Nikki Haley, who I think is, you know, I'd probably vote for president and who I think is one of the strongest, your Republican governor of South Carolina goes into the UN and is the US rep there and just cracks skulls. Um, and who has just been a, a spectacular fighter for American values and who comes from an immigrant family and all of these things that America is all about, are they for her? They're not. So don't tell me you're for women. You're for women who behave as you wish them to behave. Um, let's see. How much do you think late night quote comedy shows like Stephen Colbert, John Oliver, Samantha B affect election results? I would say very little. Very little. I can't imagine, you know, I think they're mostly preaching to the choir. Uh, one of the things that I'm so proud of is that I still, to this day, and, and always for the last couple of years, I get emails from people of every political persuasion in every country, gay, straight, black, blah, 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 doesn't matter, but that are all over the place. Some that are that are now waking up to what they see. With you know, I'm left. I've been a lefty my whole life. I'm now waking up to this. And then I get emails from Christian conservatives, and I get emails from libertarians, and all of these different people who are all at different stages of this. And I think part of the reason for that is that we're having honest conversation here. I am not. I'm telling you what I think, for better or worse. You're you're sharing your questions with me, your your comments. We're doing this in long form. You can hear something that I'm doing and then take an idea and then perhaps Sam Harris is going to talk about it in a different way or in a way that I disagree with on his podcast. You're going to see Eric Weinstein and I disagree on things. You're going to watch Joe Rogan and I talk about different things. And you're going to be able to formulate your thoughts. Those shows are not really places of formulating thought. They're all sort of da 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 da, -da Trump, da 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 da, -da Trump. Like, it's not that interesting or funny or amusing. So I don't think people really, I think a certain amount of people may be guilted into voting a little bit by them, but I don't think people really pay attention to it, which is, which is nice. Uh, Dave, when will AI become an election issue? Oh, man, what a great question. Um, I would say that by 20, let's say by 2024, it'll be the big one. I don't think it'll, I don't think by in two years in 2020, it'll be a big issue. It'll, it'll have moved forward a little bit for sure. Um, and with more automation comes more issues about the economy and minimum wage and all sorts of things and UBI and whatever else. But I don't think it'll be huge in two years. I would say the election, the presidential election after that. So say 2024, I think that'll be possible. Uh, how do I get you to come to my school? So I'm going all over the place. Uh, and when I'm when I'm not with JP, I'm, I'm traveling and doing schools by myself. Uh, you can go to daverubin.com slash contact and uh, put in the request. I send it over to my agents. And then as long as we can work it out, works with my schedule and everything else, we're good to go. Um, let's see. Dave, take a break and play some PUBG with me. I don't know what that is. I'm getting old. Um, are you excited for Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, or is that not your thing? I, I've played Smash Brothers a bunch, and you know, as I always tell you guys, I don't really have time for video games anymore. Um, I, I can play like little bites here and there. I've been playing a little NBA Live uh, with my brother and my nephew, um, but I don't have really time. But so a game like Smash Brothers, I can play quick because I can play it with a couple friends right there. 
and we can do it and it's totally fun. Um, people keep asking for my PlayStation name so that we can connect on there. Maybe maybe one day when I like take a week or you know August when I go off the grid, maybe I would take like two days and make them like video game days and I'll I'll play with you guys all over the place. That actually could be kind of fun. Um, oh, I do want to give you a little uh, a little career uh, tip or not not tip. I want to give you a, a little career hint as to something good that's happened, but I'll wait uh, towards the end to do that. Uh, but a lot of good things are happening. All right, let's see. Uh, I've been saying for a long time that if Trump would dial back the rhetoric from an 11 to an 8 and reduce the personal ad hominem attacks, he would attract another 10 to 20% of the electorate from the middle that dismisses him because of the behavior. Your thoughts? Yeah, I basically agree with you now. I think he sort of, at some level, he sort of needed to do it when he was running the first time. He had to break through the political correctness. He had to break through the mainstream media. He had to garner the attention, all of those things. Now that he's president, especially because things are going basically okay, the economy's chugging along, we're not going into extra wars, we're redoing some of the uh, trade deals, things of that nature, okay? The things are basically going okay. You know, net neutrality, no one's been killed. Paris Accords, we're not dying, et cetera, et cetera. It would be interesting, and this is why I was saying if the Republicans would have won, that might have given him enough breathing room to start doing that. Dial back some of the rhetoric. You don't have to just be the troll in chief. So hopefully, I think there's still a way for him to do that because if the Democrats now go, you know, feel really emboldened and they they think, all right, well, now we can we can attack Trump, we can tr still try for impeachment, even though it would be an impossibility, whatever else it is. And then Trump, imagine if he steps back. Sorry about that light over there. Imagine if he steps back and is like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the more mature party here. I can't believe it. Nobody else could believe it, but I'm going to try it. That would, I think, help him. The, the, he's got the people that want the trolling, the people that want to own the libtards and all that stuff. He's got them. Pretty much not going to lose them because those people aren't going to go to the left. So you got those guys. So there's a way to get the other people that are concerned legitimately, I think, about sort of the trolling and some of the rhetoric and that kind of stuff. I know plenty of those people because I think there's, and actually I think, you know, the 10 to 20% you mentioned here, I think, I think that's a pretty fair number because I know plenty of people right now, lefties, liberals, let's say, who, when I talk to privately, they're like, you know, I don't think things are that bad right now. I think things are kind of all right, actually. And I have a little more money in my paycheck and my IRAs or 401ks doing all right or blah, blah, blah. Investments are doing all right, um, but I don't like the rhetoric, and they can't get over that. So why keep giving it to them? I don't. And and it would be nice if we had a little more return to normalcy in terms of the rhetoric, because again, I don't think we can last on this this sort of crazy tenor forever. I just don't think it's possible. All right, we've got fifteen minutes. Reminder, people. I'm doing stand-up again. I don't know why, uh, but it's been it's been awesome. We've sold out every single show that we've done, uh, and they're great. I do about an hour of stand-up. I get you guys involved. We do giveaways, and it's fun. It's like no stand-up show you've ever seen, I promise you. Uh, so I will be in uh, Brea, California on November 13th. The link is right down below. And then I'll be in Oxnard, California on the 14th. Link right down below. I've got an IDW character joining me for both shows, and I'm hearing a rumor that there might be a second one. So I do hope you'll join me. And if you join at patreon.com slash Ruben Report on level three or higher, you get a free meet and greet. I will shake your hand. I will take a picture with you. Sometimes people hug me, which is always, as long as you don't hug for too long, there's always that moment where the hug goes from like, oh, that's nice. You're a stranger. You're showing me affection to like, ah, we better ease up on that. Um, but yeah, so we can do all that. Let's see. Democrats have had power in California for decades and things have gotten worse for the middle class. What hope do you see in California now that Newsom will be governor? Yeah, I mean, I'm not very hopeful, actually, uh, which is ironic because I love living in Los Angeles. And uh, I can tell you that even in, in L.A., there has been, and he's just becoming governor now, but the amount of homeless people has increased tremendously. Um, well, last time I was in Berkeley, uh, our car got broken into on a pretty nice street. We were at a steak joint. The car got broken into basically in front of the steak joint, Morton Steakhouse, so like a nice place. Uh, and they stole stole my bag. Um, my my uh, sister's parents, uh, my sister's parents-in-law, uh, were visiting from out of the country. They were in Berkeley just a couple weeks ago, and they got mugged in broad daylight. They literally ripped. 
the rings off my brother-in-law's mother's fingers. Um, pretty violent. I mean, she was bruised, the whole, the whole thing. Um, so I think there's some bad trends in California for sure. I mean, in, in San Francisco, they've got an app to tell you where human poop is on the street. I am not making that up. Um, I saw somebody shooting up in Berkeley, like on a, on a side street. Um, so there's a lot of trends that are bad in California. Newsom has got good hair. He's got a nice smile, says all the right things, but he's for big government. He thinks that government can resolve all of these things. And I don't think government can. I think government basically makes all of these things worse. Um, so I'm not very hopeful, unfortunately, for California, because which sucks because I, I love living in California and you can't beat the weather. And I really do like the people. And in LA, there's a resurgence of some interesting political conversation happening. I mean, you know, Shapiro's here in LA and Dennis Prager's here in LA and Peter Thiel's here in LA and Sam Harris is here in LA and, and plenty of other people are here in LA right now. So there is an interesting intellectual uh, set happening in LA and I, you know, it's just unfortunate, but uh, if somebody wants me to move to Texas, make me an offer I can't refuse. Uh, okay, let's see. Um, uh, oh, PUBG is Player Unknown's Battleground for PS4. I don't know what it is, but I'll check it out. But if someone can give me like a Contra-style game that I can just blow some stuff up and hopefully it's a side-scroller, I would love to. Or, or more like a, like a Life Force Gradius kind of shooter. But I, I want to go that way. I don't want to go that way. Can't go that way. Don't want to go this way. I want to go that way, or I guess I'd go that way. But can't do it the other way. Um... Do, do, do. All right, let's see. Um, are there any future endeavors with Brett, Eric, and or Heather? Well, I don't want to give away too much, but I just told you that, uh, you know, potentially there are some IDW people joining me for my stand-up gigs November 13th in, uh, in Brea and November, November 14th in Oxnard. Uh, so you might want to check out one of those shows. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and uh, oh, and actually, Brett's going to be on the show in a couple of days when I get back, also. So that's uh, so there you go. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going to keep talking to these guys who now you know we definitely have some political dif disagreements with, and it's all good, it's all good, people. Um, okay, let's see. Um, here we go, we got about 12 minutes left, and then I gotta, I gotta get dressed, I gotta meet JP. I'm sure he's on his like eighth steak of the day, you know, the guy's only eating steak. And, uh, and basically in club soda and salt these days. Uh, so he eats a tremendous amount of steak. I'm still, I'm still doing this paleo thing as much as I can, um, but I've been eating a lot of steak because I hang out with the guy a lot. Uh, let's see. Um, who do you see running in 2020 that has the power to actually unite the country from where we're standing today? I don't know. I don't know if there is somebody right now that could do it. I don't think there's anyone in sort of traditional politics that can do it. Um, this isn't the right answer, but I'll, I'll sort of throw this one out as just like the idea. Um, if there was somebody that was like a Schwarzenegger, now I don't, it's not going to be him. And obviously he wasn't even born in the United States, so it's not a possibility, but somebody that was basically a, that had a, you know, a certain amount of star power, a little bit of political uh, history. He was the governor of California, obviously. Um, and that was basically a moderate Republican. I think that would be the ticket to do it. But it's not Schwarzenegger. So I don't know, is there anyone else like that? Like, I don't want it to be Clooney or just like some actor that comes in and does it. I don't think that's the right thing. I don't know that there's anyone that's a career politician at the moment. It would have to be someone pretty, pretty centrist that I think had a basic belief in the constitution and wanted to rein in government a little bit and, and wasn't really playing identity politics, but, but was willing to give the Dems something on the other side. I don't know. I don't know who that is. You got any good ideas? Let me know. Uh, okay. Let's jump back in. So we got about 10 more minutes. I'll take some more on, uh, on super chat as well. If you want to just jump in there. Um, Let's see, perhaps it's not just big government that's the problem, perhaps it's big organizations. Pro problem of imbalance of scale between an organization, its power and the powers of the individual. Well, look, this is, this is why I love talking about the YouTube situation and the Google situation so much because it's about, it's about authoritative powers and the government usually is the ultimate one of those, right? But when we have a company like Google that controls the amount of information and infrastructure and wires and pipes and everything, 
that they have, of course they can become a, a problem as well. I mean, I've addressed that many times. The issue is, well, then do you want to give more power to the government to then decapitate some of that power? That's a, that's a tough question. And I've heard good arguments on both sides. I tend to think the answer is no, because once you give power over to something, be it the government or a private organization, it's very rare that it gives the power back. And there's always a unique situation. So it's like Google strikes me as a truly, truly, truly unique situation. But that's probably the same thing that people said about Microsoft in 1987 or you know plenty of other things over the years. So this is where I'm still more interested in letting the market figure it out. But does could there be some touch from the government that makes some sense? Uh, you know, I'm willing to have that conversation. And, you know, that's, say, where Eric Weinstein, we've discussed it on air, our last live stream a month or two ago. Um, so, yeah, there's good people on both sides of that. And I think it's a, I think it's a totally fair question. Um, let's see here. I'll jump back into Patreon for a moment. Uh, any advice on how I should introduce my friends to the IDW? Um, you know, I found, or one of the things that people say to me all the time uh, when I meet people at these shows or come up to me at the airport or whatever, is that the, the PragerU video, Why I Left the Left, is I think it's their number one video ever, actually. Um, and they've had some major people on there, and it's, it's pretty awesome that it is. And I think it sort of encapsulates what initially brought the IDW together, even though, of course, some of those folks still consider themselves part of the left, as I talked about earlier. Um, I would say that that video, if you can get that to somebody, look, it's, it's pleasant, it's whatever it is, three or four minutes. Um, they don't have to agree with everything, but I think I talk about the right issues in a, con in a competent and clear way that I think will open them up to some of these ideas. And then from there, uh, then I would say you should have them watch, you know, it's like you want to kind of ease them into some of this stuff, I suppose. Um, you know, another good one, that, well, the video that we did, our only animated video that we've ever done, what is a classical liberal? You could show them that. And then I think that also could frame a little bit of uh, these issues for them. And then, and then just sort of get them in on some of these conversations. Uh, maybe my first conversation with Sam Harris, because that's kind of where it all started with me. Um, pick one of the conversations with Jordan Peterson, um, you know, any of the ones with Eric. Um, and then there's the ones that are straight up less political. Let's say you could have them have a listen to the conversation with Brett Weinstein as he was in the midst of the Evergreen situation, or the conversation with James Damore as he was in the midst of the Google situation, or the conversation with Lindsay Shepard as she was in the midst of the Wilfrid Laurier situation. Um, my conversation a couple of weeks with Coleman Hughes, I think, is a good fit. Um, you know, I think more than anything else, show people that there are some other folks out there who are willing to talk, who are willing to listen, who don't want to berate and harangue and, and dismantle society, who, who are just trying to figure it out just like they are. And it's getting harder and harder. And I suspect it's going to just keep getting harder and harder now. You know, it's like there's no doubt right now that the sides are just going to keep going. So it's like those of us that want to live with some people who are different than us, that don't think we have a right to take from some and give to others and all of that. Uh, and I do think that's most of us, those of us who want to live and let live, those of us who don't care what your neighbor smokes in his house or who your other neighbor is sleeping with or whatever else. It's like, that is most of us. That is the beauty of America. Everyone has come here from everywhere for hundreds of years now and made a better life for themselves. You person watching this right now, I guarantee you, you have a better life if you live in America than your grandparents did. You can say that with almost 99% certainty. And if you don't, it's actually a great argument against leftism too, because they hate accumulated wealth going out down from generation to generation. So if you screwed up, if your grandparents were re really rich and you're really poor, that's also a great argument for our evil capitalistic patriarchy because the accumulated wealth doesn't always stay, right? So uh, it's pretty damn good here. And let's not forget that in the name of trying to go for some utopian society that's never existed. You can try to make it better, but that doesn't mean you have to destroy the whole damn thing. It's a hell of a lot easier to destroy rather than create. So these people, and that's so, what, one of the things, it's like these people who have never done anything, all of these think piece writers and these HuffPo writers and BuzzFeed writers, they've never done anything. They've never hired anyone. They've never created anything. And it's like, if only they could run the world, everything would be okay. No, 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 no. Let's scale back the power that we have over each other. 
so that we can all live as freely as possible. And you can decide how much good you want to do for your community, for yourself, for other people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that you could argue, I suppose, is a little utopian, but it's utopian within the confines of us having to be free. And then we can discuss on the margins, how much should we be taxed? Because I do believe we have to be taxed. How much should we have for defense? Or how much should we have for this or that? How much should we have for infrastructure? Can some of this be done by uh, private enterprise, et cetera, et cetera? These are all the things we can discuss. And I think you guys that are watching or listening to this do want to discuss these things and you want to get to mature answers. So I'm going to keep interviewing the people that I think uh, have the right answers or at least are thinking about the right answers or willing to have conversations about the right answers. All right, let's see. Uh, someone said, I think Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be great. You know, a couple people have tweeted that at me lately. I don't know exactly where his politics are, but could he be the type of person that comes from the Schwarzenegger mold, almost literally in this case? Maybe, but like, right, does it all have to be so celebrity driven? And what does that really say about society? I'm not sure. Oh, and someone said, Bro Force, awesome side scrolling multiplayer shooter. I have it. Uh, it's totally fun. I've been playing, you know, four player, especially when you're you're playing with a couple of friends. It's just like complete chaos and nuttiness. Uh, it's almost like a little too much for me because there's so many explosions happening at the exact same time. Um, okay, let me uh, tell you a little bit about uh, some career stuff that's uh, that's cooking. So there's a lot of good things cooking. And as I said, being on this tour with uh, with Jordan has it's been light, truly life changing. I've enjoyed every second of it. Um, I've connected with different people. I, last night in Denmark, I saw Fleming Rose, uh, Fleming who I've had on the show, who was the uh, publisher of, in the Danish magazine of the Mohammed cartoons. I think that was 2003. Um, he is a, a spectacular advocate for free speech and free expression and just the most decent, warm guy you're ever going to meet. Uh, so I had dinner with him last night. I had dinner with Douglas Murray last week. Uh, I'm going to try to see Majid maybe tomorrow. Uh, I've connected with old friends, high school friends. I've, I've gone out with fans after the show. Um, I've met all sorts of people. I'm, I'm really just having a blast. I, I feel good. And long, you know, as long as I keep basically eating right and trying to get to the gym every now and again, I've been walking around these cities. It's giving me perspective on the world. You know, I never thought I was going to go to all of these countries like this. And even though some of them are only for a day, it's like you get a little flavor of how other people live. And, you know, you see just differently or look differently or whatever it is. It's been totally inspiring. And I think it's, I think it's helping me, it's helping me sharpen my, my tools to do what I do. And hopefully I can do maybe more international shows. And I think actually if Jordan and I do end up extending this uh, into March and April, which it sounds like we will, I'm thinking about doing more shows on the road. Like really we'll, we'll start renting, uh, you know, cruise and, and that whole thing. Uh, but I did get some great news last week. So you know, you guys know, or most of you know, that I've been talking about this book forever. Um, so I, I haven't, uh, I don't want to give you too much right this moment because there will be an announcement, I think, in about a week or so. Um, but my book has been picked up. It is by a primo, primo publisher. The whole thing, the way the whole deal has worked out is, is beyond uh, a dream come true. Uh, I'm working on it. We're, I don't want to give you publishing dates and all that yet, um, but I'm super, super psyched. Uh, it's a, uh, this thing's going to be a freaking labor of love. Um, a lot of it also for me was I wanted to get through this current election uh, because I wanted to publish it sometime between the midterms and the presidential election. Not that it's purely about politics, but I thought there'll be an interesting moment for the country in there. Uh, so now that we're past that, I can focus in on a, on it a little bit different. Uh, but we have uh, closed the deal with the publisher, so I'm really psyched about that. And that's one of the ancillary benefits, I think, of doing this show with uh, this tour with Jordan, because it's like I'm willing to bust my ass to promote it and do the right thing and get back out on the road and and share these ideas. And I got to tell you, just one other thing about Jordan. I mean. You know, he says it often because it comes up in the Q and A's when we, we do about a forty-minute Q and A at the end of the show, and people will ask, um, you know, like, do you ever get tired, or, or are you, how do you stay inspired? And he's like, he's like, I'm sharing my ideas all over the world, and millions of people are buying my books, and I come to speak to thousands of great people like you. Like, what could be better than this? And you know, I get a little of that extra glow from from his people, but I get it from you guys all the time. And this thing is continually growing, and I'm doing the best I can, and I'll make mistakes along the way. But uh, you know, I think I think we're onto something really great, and I sense we're just at the beginning again, which is crazy because 
how could that be? But maybe that's sort of what life is. You keep working and working and working and you somehow don't always know what you're working for. And then there's, whoa, there's a new beginning. And then you go this way and then there's another new beginning and you go this way. But if you, if you do what you can do with a little, with some rigor and some passion and some honesty, I, I think good things, good things come. I guess that Peterson guy has worn off, uh, worn on me a bit. Um, all right, guys, we did about an hour. Uh, I got to, uh, I got to get myself ready for the big show in Birmingham tonight. Uh, we will be in Oslo tomorrow. We are in Denmark the day after that. And then we are in Finland the day after that. And then I take a crazy stop flight, 12 hours, some situation uh, back to LA on the 12th. Uh, Brea, stand up on the 13th. Link is right down below. Oxnard on the 14th. Link is right down below. And then there's some other stand up stuff that's listed in there and all that good stuff. Anyway, thanks as always, and uh, okay, I'm going to uh, enjoy my hotel room for 15 minutes before I uh, go meet Jordan. All right, ciao, guys. See ya.